in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Boy, yes. Sewell on first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down to the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. It is finally here. Week one of the NFL season. It has been long off season. It's been long OTAs. It was a long training camp. But we are finally here. Week one and the Detroit Lions kick off the 2023 NFL season with the first game of the year at Kansas City, defending Super Bowl champions. And what you know, what a terrific opportunity for Dan Campbell, for Brad Holmes and and the front office and coaching staff to figure out what kind of team they have. I think everybody around the country thinks that this roster is ready to win now. This roster is ready to compete for an NFC North championship to be um, a playoff contender in the NFC. And I think Campbell and Holmes get an opportunity to see that week one. I mean, this is the defending Super Bowl champion. They're, the reigning MVP is on the other side uh, of the field. Uh, it's the number one offense in the league, so your revamped defense is, is going to get challenged week one. And so for Dan Campbell, he's going to see what his football team is all about week one, and what a great opportunity for that. A couple news and notes leading up. Um, I, obviously, one of the big news is Chris Jones. They're all pro, all everything, defensive tackle in a contract dispute um, in Kansas City has not reported to training camp and the latest of this taping it doesn't seem like he's going to be available he hasn't reported yet obviously we have to wait 90 minutes before kickoff and we'll know for sure but what a huge loss um, for Kansas City who's already trying to replace a lot of different pieces along that defensive line to not have um, their best player on defense obviously would be a huge blow Um, Lions center Frank Ragnow certainly isn't going to shed a tear when he lines up and doesn't see Chris Jones there Um, but look the the Lions offensive line is a strength already and so I think that's a huge loss and and obviously um, you know something to monitor early in that game and throughout that game um, to see you know what Kansas City does without their best player on defense I think health is also kind of a big story um, for Detroit Um, we've seen in years past them missing some some key components heading into week one we're gonna see the five best offensive linemen on this football team playing a game together for the first time in two years. I think that's exciting. And just when you look at the injury report throughout the week in Detroit, um, you know, only Emmanuel Mosley was a, a limited participant in practice. We'll see if he's inactive or not. It might be a little bit too early. I'm, I'm probably thinking more week two for him, but, you know, we'll see 90 minutes before. But um, health wise, Detroit is going into the season with all their guys, which they haven't. Um, been able to say the last two years so that's huge for them Um, obviously going to Arrowhead I'm a little excited personally because it's the last stadium I get to knock off my list of being you know then in in all 32 Um, the last time lines were scheduled to play at Arrowhead they played in London if you remember Um, and so I'm excited for that and and look Dan Campbell said look embrace this opportunity it's one of the most iconic stadiums in the league it's probably the loudest I'm sure it supplanted Seattle in that regard and um, it's it's just going to be a fun place to 
to play. So instead of being nervous, anxious, uh, Dan Campbell said, look, young guys, guys who haven't played there, embrace this. It's fun. It's week one. It's the NFL. Let's go to Arrowhead and and, and have a good time. Um, and obviously, uh, Isaiah Bugs was in the news a little bit here this week as well. Um, he's been told he's not going to um, be active on Thursday night. Um, you know, here's a guy who obviously contributed a lot, started 13 games last year, played over 700 snaps. But I think what we should look at with that piece of news is and be a positive is what Levi Onzerike has been able to do coming back from the back injury that cost him all of last season I think he's been terrific in camp he's been a playmaker and now you get a guy who they thought was going to be a real difference maker for them when they drafted him in the second round in 2021 now he's kind of shown to be that and so you know I think that's a great sign for the Lions Benito Jones has been playing really well too and Look, look, Bug said all the right things in in terms of you know keeping his head down, accepting whatever role he's going to have, um, and and but I think you've got to look at you know some of the young guys you know, with Levi Onzerike and, and some of the guys stepping up. That that's obviously um, great news for Lions. So that's the news and notes. I've got a busy busy podcast for you today. I'm on Ross St. Brown is going to stop by and chat with me. I got Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. He's going to break down everything about this matchup from a Kansas City perspective. And Dan Miller, the voice of the Lions, is going to stop by for the key matchup segment. We have fun in that one. So uh, it's a very busy week one, 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. Stick around, and uh, I've got a fun next half hour, 45 minutes for you. Welcome back to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am very excited to welcome in Jesse Newell, the Kansas City Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star. Jesse, welcome to week one of the NFL season. It's finally here. We finally made it through training camp, everything else. So, yeah, time to get that ball kicked off. All right. Happy week one to you. But let's start with obviously the big news in, in Kansas City is is the Chris Jones situation. I, you know, obviously hasn't reported to training camp, wants a new deal in Kansas City. Um, do you have the latest? I mean, can Lions fans expect him? We're running out of practice days here. Is there a deadline for this or kind of just what's the situation with Chris Jones right now? Yeah, I would say it's good news for Lions fans because uh, barring something miraculous, he is not going to be playing in this game coming up uh, against Kansas City because he hasn't reported. He he didn't come to uh, mandatory minicamp, and then he held out of all of training camp while trying to get a new long-term deal done, and he's still not reported to practice. And so we talked to both Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes early in the week, and they're basically saying they got to deal with who, who's in the building. And so it looks like Chris Jones is going to at least be out for game one. We'll see if he reports here later in the week or next week. But uh, that situation is like obviously good news for the, the Detroit Lions in this particular game, just because uh, Chris Jones, you know, he had a career year last year and also had a tendency to come in, come through in the biggest moments for the Chiefs when they really needed a huge sack or a huge stop on a run play. So uh, that will be a big hole missing in the middle of their defensive line. And to be completely honest with you, the Chiefs defensive line even before that is probably not as sound as it was a year ago. So that'll be something to watch. We know the uh, the Lions have a pretty good O-line and can push some people around in the run game too. So uh, that is going to be one weakness versus strength matchup to watch in this opener. Yeah, Jesse, I saw an interesting stat. I think it was ESPN that had it out that over the last five years with Chris Jones in the lineup, um, the Kansas City Chiefs are number one in the NFL in quarterback pressure percentage 
when Chris Jones isn't on the field, that drops all the way down to 20, uh, 28th in the NFL. So, I mean, that's a that's a really big hole there. Who are maybe some names that, that Kansas City's looking to step up into that spot and, and, and get some good play out and maybe fill that void a little bit? You can't fill it completely, but maybe a little bit. Yeah, so it's interesting when Andy Reid's asked about that very question, like who fills in, and he'll mention defensive ends, which it's sort of like, well, that's not position that, <laughs> that Chris plays. But, I mean, they do hope for better production this year. Like, George Karloftis came on toward the end of last year. He was a first-round rookie a year ago. They just drafted Felix Enudeke Uzama out of Kansas State in the first round this past year. He kind of struggled early in training camp, but kind of will mostly be seen probably in a third-down rushing role for them. But I think mostly what they're going to rely on is uh, the brains of Steve Spagnolo. I think you're going to see some creative stuff from the Chiefs. They have a lot of defensive tackles that they brought in, including Neil Farrell, who they just traded for uh, from the Las Vegas Raiders. I asked Andy Reid yesterday at the press conference. He said there's a chance he'll play in this game, even though they just traded for him last week. But they've got a lot of big bodies there. And we've seen Steve Spagnuolo in the past do kind of creative things where maybe just stuff the middle and, and try to stop the run game and then get really creative like he has with NASCAR pressure packages with a bunch of defensive linemen rushing the passer on third downs. Um, maybe you go out there, they – a guy like Leo Chanel, who was a second round, I'm sorry, a third round pick in the draft last year for them. Uh, he's kind of a, a run stopping linebacker. Maybe they do some three, three, five, some creative things in there. So I really think in, in the interim without Chris Jones, what they're going to try to do is get creative and play what they've talked about is play to the strengths of their specific players. And so right now I would say that they have a lot of beef on the interior and they've got a, a run stopping linebacker. They maybe didn't utilize as much last year as they could this year. So look for them to get creative and maybe try to stop them on early downs, the lines that is, and then get really creative with uh, pressure packages uh, on third downs. And if that happens, uh, sometimes as Steve Tagnolo can kind of dig deep into his bag and get some creative pressures, get some uh, creative things going when the personnel isn't there to make that work on its own. Yeah, that'll be interesting how Ben Johnson, you know, tries to maybe, um, you know, g compete with that or, or how he counters that, maybe not knowing what exactly he's going to see um, from Kansas City. But, Jesse, the good news is uh, Kadarius Tony. it sounds like he's back at practice. I, I heard Andy Reid's press conference over the weekend, said he's expected to play Thursday. Uh, he's been dealing with a knee injury. How big of a boost is that for the offense? It seems like, he, you know, him and Patrick Mahomes kind of built a pretty good rapport there at the end of the season when they went on that run. Yeah, Kadarius is a fascinating player. I mean, he was coming off of an injury this summer, and he gets to training camp. And literally before training camp, they're working on punt return. Before the, the, the bell has rung for them to start practice, and he hurts himself. And so this has kind of been the MO for Kadarius Tony is like he literally hurt himself <laughs> before the first training camp practice. Before he was coming off of injury. But we know this about the Chiefs as well. When he's in there and when he gets his plays, they target him a lot. He has one of the highest target shares of any player in the NFL or he did last year when he was in there with the Chiefs. It's just they would sort of have him as a package player. They'd have him come in and do certain things. Now, they have higher expectations for him. He went up and high-pointed a ball last year, and I think all of us around the press box kind of look at each other like, kind of like Tyreek Hill in the early days, you know, where okay. receiver where it's like, you didn't think he had these sorts of skills. You knew he had the speed and the, the burst and, and short spaces, but you might not know he had this. So they have high expectations for him, but it is a matter of him staying on the field and staying healthy. So it is a big boost for them. I would imagine that what Andy Reid's going to do is he's going to come up with 10 to 15 to 20 snaps for him, run him in motion, do all sorts of different things with him. But when he's on the field, the Lions do need to pay attention because the Chiefs have had a habit of when Kadarius is out there, they get him involved. And so if they have that sort of thing ready for him, uh, I would anticipate they use him. But again, is he going to be part of 60, 70, 80 plays out there for the Chiefs? Probably not. And that's not how they used him a year ago, especially coming off this injury, especially in returning to practice just this week. 
defending Super Bowl champs, MVP and Patrick Mahomes, the number one offense. But where is this football team maybe even better than they were last year coming off a Super Bowl championship? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So I would say a couple of things uh, when talking about that in particular. I would say one is last year they really relied on a lot of rookies. And a lot of this has to happen with Patrick Mahomes because you're paying him a lot of money. And I saw the NFL top 100 list came out. The Chiefs have three top players in the top 10 in there. And we know the salary cap cap is meant to like not have that happen. So (laughs) when you're paying Patrick Mahomes and you're paying Travis Kelsey, and even if you're not paying them market rates, you're paying them a lot of money. And then potentially Chris Jones at some point, if he decides, you know, to, to show up on the last year of his current deal, I mean, that's not what's supposed to happen in the NFL. So you have to rely on young players. And so last year, uh, they started a lot of rookies on defense in the Super Bowl. You know, you got Trent McDuffie, you got Jalen Watson at cornerback. You've got Joshua Williams, who plays snaps at cornerback. Brian Cook is stepping in. Uh, he was their third safety a year ago, now second safety with Juan Thornhill moving on to the Browns. Uh, I talked about George Karloftis was in there. Uh, so, I mean, they had a ton of rookies in there. So I would say one thing is kind of a natural progression of these guys, where last year they played pretty basic defenses, try not to screw things up. Now, as I talked about earlier, you know, you can maybe get a little bit more exotic with the coverages. Those holes, windows uh, in the red zone offense and training camp were a little bit smaller for Patrick Mahomes this year because guys were starting to figure out what they do, communicating better. And uh, watch for Brian Cook on the back. And he's kind of the back, the quarterback of their defense just in his second year with the Chiefs, a former second round pick. Uh, I would say the other thing to look at for the Chiefs, and this is sort of wacky to say with what happened in this offseason, but they are really, really high on the tackles they got this offseason. And the interior of their line we know – Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith is really solid. But now they signed Juwan Taylor for $20 million uh, over three years, uh, $20 million a year over three years to play right tackle. He was really good pass blocker for the Jaguars. Uh, and then Donovan Smith, who on the left side, he he was with the Bucks forever and then had an injury-riddled season last year where he played through his injuries. But he's been great so far, great upper body strength and kind of throw guys around. So um, this is sort of knock on wood around here for uh, the Chiefs people that are talking, but even losing Orlando Brown, even, even losing Andrew Wiley to free agency, they feel like they might have the best offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes that they've had in the Andy Reid era, especially when it comes to pass blocking. So you'll see Juwan Taylor. I'm sure Detroit Lions fans will be ready for this, but on the right side, he gets as good of a jump off the snap as any right tackles I've seen. It'll look like a false start. Maybe it is a false start, but just be ready for that. You'll see him jump off that line, and when he gets that jump back, it's really hard to get around it. Uh, Detroit fans will be complaining about it. So will Charles Harrison, Aiden Hutchinson, I'm sure. And that uh, Jesse, that's scary to think that this is the best offensive line that Casey might have with, with how explosive and how good that offense is. That's certainly scary. I'm curious, not a familiar opponent in, in Detroit. Obviously, we got an NFC versus AFC. What have, what have uh, Chiefs players, Chiefs coaches been saying about you know Dan Campbell? Campbell, the Detroit Lions, this matchup, what they've been seeing on film. Yeah, Andy Reid spoke to it a couple of days ago and, and was just wowed by what happened at the end of the last season, obviously, with how Detroit ended its season. And basically said they were a different team down the stretch than what you saw early on when he was sort of asked about Detroit in general. But um, I, I think sort of the things that you would expect uh, based off of how the Lions ended their season, I mean, we know the offensive line, the physicality, the run game, obviously Dan Campbell and uh, kind of what he's built up out there and and what people think of him. And, um, you know, Ben Johnson, that's I, I know that that's going to be a challenge for the Chiefs. And we can talk about Chris Jones not being in there. And this is sort of maybe the mode that the Chiefs have fallen into in the past, which is, you know, last year, sometimes the defense bailed them out. 
this game, the offense is going to have to bail him out because I've been really impressed. And I think a lot of people are obviously with him getting all the recognition last year. And then the, the coaching, you know, uh, interviews in the off season, probably going to be a head coach pretty soon. Um, but you know, what they do offensively and, and how talented they are, um, all those things I think are things that the chiefs are watching. And then obviously, um, and he's been asked about Aiden Hutchinson so far this week and, and kind of how the Chiefs plan to uh, attack the, the Lions on that end of it. So uh, I see two teams are probably going to be pretty successful offensively in this particular game, especially with the Chiefs down their guy. And then, you know, the Chiefs offense just being what it is. And if the offensive line really is uh, sort of the standard they think it is, um, giving Patrick Mahomes extra time in the pocket. It was sort of funny here in the in the preseason. He talks every preseason, Patrick uh, Mahomes does, about how he likes to get in there just enough to get hit once, just to kind of feel what it feels like. And the joke yeah. here was he played two games and didn't get hit. Didn't get know, hit. Of course. He, he tried to get in and the offensive line wouldn't let him get hit because they were blocking so well. So if you give him time, obviously, uh, the way he's playing quarterback now and the way that they spread out the field, it's really dangerous. So I can definitely see both these offenses having some success. I'm sure you don't want to be that guy in the film room that's letting uh, your $40 million quarterback get hit. So there's, there's probably some pride in that offensive line room not being that guy. But look, Jesse, I'm excited to, to go to Arrowhead because I, it's the last stadium to mark off kind of my list of all the NFL stadiums. I know Jared Goff said this week he's never played there. It's expected to be rowdy. It's the home opener. It's coming off a Super Bowl. The banner is being raised. What can Lions fans who make that trek, what can the Lions players and coaches expect from Arrowhead Thursday? night on national tv to kick off the 2023 season well get there early because i mean <laughs> i have an awesome job the absolute worst part of my job is parking my car and then walking through all these people who are barbecuing and having great a great time and great beverages and it's going okay it's time for me to go to work folks you know no no fun here uh to, to at least and there's no fun there to walk in the, the lot and just see those people. But the smells will be amazing. Um, it's just like the biggest tailgate, obviously. Uh, plays like a, a college atmosphere because of how rowdy the fans get. And you mentioned all the hoopla, all the banner dropping. But when it's on defense, uh, the team, uh, the, the fans get loud. Uh, it'll be one of the loudest stadiums. Uh, just be anticipating that, obviously. But get there early. Uh, enjoy the smells of the barbecue. I always do, even if I can't partake in it. Uh, but, yeah, it's People will be fired up for this game, and obviously they'll be fired up for the season opener. And uh, the Detroit Lions obviously have the respect of the Chiefs based off of how they uh, ended last season. So it should be a great game for opening kickoff, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons that the NFL powers to be uh, targeted that one because it should be two great offenses, two great teams, and then uh, obviously a special night at Arrowhead with uh, everything that's surrounding it, both in the parking lot and in the stadium. It's one of the most iconic places. I'm excited to be in town for it. I'm just excited it's football. It's week one again. We're writing about football that, that kind of matters now. Jesse, great insight. You can catch all his stuff on the Kansas City Star. He does a great job covering the Chiefs over there. We will see you Thursday night in Kansas City. It should be fun. It should be explosive. And, and two teams that are, are pretty hungry to get off to a good start. All right. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Tim. Welcome back to the 20 Mill Huddle Podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am very excited to welcome in Amon Ra St. Brown, the Pro Bowl receiver. Over 100 catches last year, over 1,000 yards. One of the best young wide receivers in the game. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. It's week one. Finally, isn't it exciting now? I mean, camp was so long, right? The offseason and OTAs. And is that excitement ramp up for you now that you're preparing for opponent, you're watching film, and it's KC? Yeah, I would definitely, I would say... uh, you know, the, like you said, the dog days of camp, um, going against the same defense every day. 
Um, I mean, competing. They got guys, new guys on defense. They they look great. Uh, but going up against them every day, I mean, made us better throughout camp. And then you know you get the joint practices. You get to go against other other teams. But now it's real. I mean, you had the preseason games. We didn't play in, in the games, but we had those two joint practices and. Um, obviously, you know, camp, all, all the stuff that we did. And now finally going to the first game, it's like, all right, now we have a game plan. We know who we're, gonna, who we're going against. You know, we think we know where they're going to run. So it's more, you know, focused on details every day, um, whether it's, you know, first down, second down, third down, red zone. So it's nice to get back in that flow of, of, of a game week. Yeah. But on the side, you're also getting into the podcast game yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so we, me and my brother, we have our own podcast with, uh-huh. with the 33rd team. We've been doing it for... Uh, last year was our first season, so this is, I would say, our second year doing it. Um, I mean, we have fun with it. We have some guests on there. Um, we actually got a special guest on it next episode, so oh, look stay at the, tuned. Look at the tease. Yeah. It's like a professional here. <laughs> um, but, no, it's really fun just yeah. to, you know, talk ball. Um, I know the people... They like watching it, so we just yeah. we'll keep doing it. No, that's why I love this thing, right? You yeah. get a guest in, you get to talk some ball, and it's great. Let, let's talk about your expectations. You know, obviously, the team goal is number one for you. You've always right. been that team guy and the excitement that builds around the team. But, Amon Ra, you're coming off 100 catches. You're coming off 1,000 yards. Just what can fans expect from, from you in, in year three now that you've really kind of established yourself? Yeah, I would say uh, for me, I just want to be better than I was last year. Um, whether that's, you know, more stats with more catches, you can look at the numbers, more touchdowns, more yards, whatever. I want to be better and all that, but just a better teammate, obviously. I want to be a better leader. Um, just everything overall. Whatever I did last year, I always want to, you know, think I can be always a step better. I look at the film from last year, and I always, you know, I'm always really hard on myself. I feel like I can do so much stuff better um, if I maybe, you know, turn up faster on this catch. Uh, maybe broke out on that choice route. So little things like that that I'm always super critical about myself. But, I mean, going into this year, just trying to keep, you know, trying to get better is always the goal for me. Year two in Ben Johnson's offense. You know, we've talked to Jared. He's talked about just the, some of the details that you've been able to get into. What what maybe have you seen as the biggest difference between year one of Ben and, and now year two? Um, I would say the, the details. I would say he's – feel like he's able to do more stuff with us um, just because we're comfortable in the offense. Um, a lot of the same guys that are here, obviously we got some new faces, but a lot of the same people that were here. Um, so he's able to move us around, do things that we did last year and maybe dress it up differently, mm-hmm. um, maybe make it a little bit harder. Like, I mean, maybe on this show you have to adjust cover two. If, if you see this, you got to run this. So we already know the simple stuff. So now he's taking it to the next level and it's giving him as a play caller more, you know, more options for us. And I mean, us as receivers, if we, if we can get into the perfect play, I mean, there's nothing better. I was going to say, that's got to be really exciting for you, right? Because you saw the success that he had and what a terrific play caller he was. And you watch him and he sees something in the first quarter. And then he sees that same formation from the defense, but he's got a different counter for right. it. You know, and now you can get into some of those little nitty. It's got to be really exciting for, for you guys just to know that, that he's going to put you in the best places to succeed. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, like you said, for us as players, all we got to do is go out there Obviously, we get the game plan during the week. We got to listen, listen to him execute it out in practice. Obviously, we put it on tape and see how it looks. But if we, you know, if we do what they tell us as an, as coaches, we listen to them, we execute. I mean, they're going to put us in position to make plays. So that's what I love about this coaching staff is they do a great job of moving guys around into doing what they do best. And if we can just go out there and play free and have fun. What was the focus for you this offseason? Was there anything in particular? I know we, we've talked about maybe being more a, a part of the vertical game uh-huh. and, and stuff like that, but I'm curious just from your perspective, was there was there a focus, something you kind of uh, notched on this yeah, offseason? I wouldn't say really. I kind of do the same, you know, kind of the same work routine yeah, every yeah. every offseason. Um, you know, I get on the track always. I'm always running on the track. 
Um, I'm doing receiver drills with my receiver coach back home, whether that's releases, you know, cone drills, getting in and out of my brace, um, catching the ball, whatever it is, receiver, you know, related. And then getting in the way, we're making sure I'm strong. So I would say, you know, early on in the offseason. That's never been an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Early on in the offseason, I'm, I'm, you know, getting back strong because I kind of, you lose that strength throughout the season because it's a long season. So just getting back in the weight room once I'm, you know, back to, have all my strength, I start running again and do the same thing over and over. Have you ever been, played at Arrowhead? Has your college career not. ever taken no. you there or anything? I have not, no. So how, I mean, that really, you talk about like Lambeau Field, right? Yeah. Arrowhead, that's like one of the iconic places and you hear about the noise and the fan base and what's the excitement level of one, playing at Arrowhead, but then Amon Ra just being the number one game too and, and what the league thinks of this team to put you guys on that showcase against the against the Super Bowl defending yeah, champs. Yeah, I'm super excited. I just thought about earlier just now in the locker room I was like I know we have the first game this year and last year we had the last game of the season so it's kind of ironic how we had the last game of the season and then we got the first game this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, I'm super excited because you know when I first got here I don't know we didn't have too many primetime games I think we had one or two um, my rookie year um, and then you know last year I think we probably had one or two again so to finally be, you know, kind of have more of those games and allow us to showcase what we can do as a team. I'm really excited for that um, because, I mean, you can't really, you can't control some of those things. And when you do get a chance to to show the world, um, you know, all the work that we've put in, um, that's our chance to do it. So I can't wait. What does it say about this football team too and the excitement that surrounds, obviously big expectations, not only in the building, but outside the building and nationally as well. But to showcase you guys in that game, what does it say about what the league thinks you guys are capable of and what kind of team you guys have and what kind of head coach Dan Campbell is? Yeah, I think they, you know, they, they think a lot about us, I think, uh, obviously from starting from the coach, from Coach Campbell, um, and then through the players. Uh, I think, I mean, we proved it last year. We had a pretty good year. I think the way we finished the year was something that, you know, caught a lot of people's attention. And if we can just build off that going into this year, not, you know, not starting off slow like mm-hmm. we did last year, just starting off strong and then keeping that same momentum with us. Because I think a lot of this league has to do with momentum. I think if you, you know, win a few games and get that taste in your mouth um, of winning, you can kind of, you know, finagle someone's out of there moving forward. So I think that's what we did last year. We figured out how to win games. And if we can just keep that up this year, um, I think we'll be, you know, we'll be in good hands. I want to ask you about a couple of youngsters, um, you know, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, and I think even James uh, uh, Mitchell, you could kind of throw yeah. in there as well. Didn't play a ton, is now over that knee injury. I'm just curious what, what maybe Gibbs and Laporta particularly bring um, to, 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 the, to the offense and, and what fans can maybe expect from those guys yeah. and, and, and how they maybe create some matchups that are favorable to the offense, but maybe could help you out too. Right. Yeah, I think Gibbs and I'll just start with Gibbs. I mean, he's super, super explosive. Um, I mean, he jumps off right away as you watch him, you know. If he has any type of space, I mean, you watch him hit the gas, he's, he's, he's super explosive. So I think he's going to create a lot of, you know, explosive runs for us. I mean, he might take a he might take a, a 15-yard run to the house for 80 yards. So that's something that's super, um, I think, rare in this league, and we, and we have that in him. So I can't wait to watch him go out and play. And obviously, you know, out the backfield, can run routes, can catch. So... Um, he's definitely going to be a. He's going to be a. a I've been impressed problem. with him as a receiver. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't see many running backs that you know catch it one away from their body. He he doesn't like look loose stride. He, right. He's just very fluid he's when he yeah. catches the football. So it, it should nice. be fun. Yeah, he's nice. Yeah, I like he's nice. that. Yeah. <laughs> he's nice. One other guy I want to ask you about too that I think is very underappreciated in this league is Leaf. 
Yeah. And and just how important he is to what you guys do. Yeah. 47 catches last year, over 700 yards. Also the number two punt returner in the league. Can step in and play any position. Just having a guy like that, I thought it was very deserved, the contract that he got this offseason. How important is a guy like that to this offense? I, mean, I think he's super one of the most underrated guys in this league, like you said. Um, I think he can run any every route in the route tree. Um, he creates some of the most separation I've ever seen at receiver. Um, he's fast, can run, can catch. With the ball in his hands, he's special. Obviously, you you guys seen him at punt return. So, and then on top of that, like, one of the best punt returners in the league. Um, shout out to Leaf, All Pro. You're the best. Um, I mean, he's and he's I think the best teammate I've ever had mm. in my life. So, um, all that combined, I think he's super under um, rated. But us in this facility, we know what Leaf brings. I mean, you ask any of the receivers, the DBs that that got to guard him every day, he's a problem. Um, so. Just having him on our team, we're super, we're super glad he's on our team. He, I mean, if you give him one, if you get him a one-on-one route and it's anything, you know, past 15, 20 yards, and he's breaking down, he's probably gonna win because he got that speed. So DBs open up, and he's so good at the top of the route separation. I mean, he, I think he has it all. I love, I love Khalif. I know you got to get out of here. You got some meetings. You still got to get to. What's the expectation for how Kansas City might approach you? And, and how they might play you and how maybe you'll have to adjust now. I mean, you are now considered, you know, one of the guys in this yeah. league, right? The main weapon in yeah. Detroit in the passing game. What's your expectation for how Kansas City and teams will treat you? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't know. I wish I knew the answer, but what, maybe they might double me on third down. You never know. Um, they kind of on tape have shown that a, a few games to double their, you know, the guy that they like to th- throw the ball to most on certain situations. So we, I can maybe expect that. But at the end of the day, you know, first game of the season, you never really know what to expect. Right. Um, just like, you know, they're probably thinking the same thing about us. And we have the same coaches. But like I said, first game of the season, you never really know. So I think for us, the biggest thing is going into that game after a few, you know, first few drives is adjusting, seeing what they're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to adjust off that and at that point, you know, you're in the fire. you got to go make plays. That's the biggest game of adjustments this week one. For sure. Because right? yeah, you just yeah. don't know what they've been doing and how yeah. personnel. they got new guys. There's not a lot of tape to watch. Yeah. It should be fun to watch. Yep. Thursday night, you got a big smile on your face. I know you're excited. I know people out there are excited to watch what you can do. Yes, this year, you have turned into one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You're Thank fun you. to watch every Thank week, you. and good yes, luck sir. on Thursday. Appreciate it, man. All right. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft, and it is now the key matchup segment of the podcast. And for that, I welcome in Fox 2 Sports Director Dan Miller. You out there know him best as the voice of the Lions. Voice, what, what is, it, it's great to be week one. What, what year is this for you now? This is 19. 19. 19, doing the play-by-play, yeah. So it's, uh, and man, what a year. I mean, we don't know where we're going. But we know that the expectations are high. And just, I mean, Tim, think about you're opening in Kansas City. You are the opening game for the league. This isn't an assignment the Lions would have gotten in a lot of other years. But this says a lot about what people on the outside think about Detroit. Now these guys just got to go out there and do it. Got to go out there and do it. And I think for Dan Campbell, it's a great opportunity. All the hype that's been around this team for months, right? And I think he thinks that this football team is pretty good. I think everybody around the country thinks this football team is pretty good. What a chance for Dan Campbell. He's going to know right away. This is the defending Super Bowl champion, the number one offense in the league. They've got the MVP. Where do you stand with the big boys at their place? And so what a great opportunity for him to know exactly week one, where does my football team stand? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's look, he's 
told his guys, embrace this. Embrace playing the Chiefs. Embrace being in Arrowhead Stadium. Embrace being the only game on to kick off the entire season. And and I think they can draw some from what happened in Green Bay last year, where they were the only ones in that stadium that thought they were going to win and believed that they could win. And the only guy you had next to you is the only guy you had that believed in you was next to you. So I think the guys that were here can draw off that a little bit. We all thought that was such a kind of mile marker victory. Yeah. Well, this is another mile down the road. Well, we have a great job in that we get to kind of follow this journey along rather closely. And boy, I, this is one I've been covering for 15 years. I'm, I'm most excited about going along for this ride. I don't know why you wouldn't be. I mean, this this stadium is unbelievable. Uh, I haven't been there a couple of times. It, it is really special. And look, you're going up against a couple of Hall of Famers here, guys that have been to the Super Bowl three of the last four years. And this, I agree with what you said. This is a good team, the Lions. But now you got to go out and do it. But on paper, I really believe in what they're doing here. But now we get to see, okay, let's see it in action. Do it. Well, let's get to some of these key matchups. Yeah. But before we do this, let's talk maybe about the elephant in the room. And it's a matchup that we won't talk about. And maybe that's Chris Jones against Frank Ragnow. It's looking like they're not going to have Chris Jones. I mean, we'll see till 90 minutes before kickoff. You, you never know. But he hasn't reported to camp. I mean, Dan, this is a guy who's probably one of the most impactful defensive linemen in the league. It's a big loss for them. If he's not there, regardless of what the reason is, contract, maybe there was an injury in some other world or whatever happens, if you line up and Kansas City doesn't have him, um, that's a win for you because he's a great, dominant difference-making, game-changing player. And and look, I'm not rooting for anything in his contract or, or his world, but it's just a plain fact. If he's not there, that is a hole Kansas City has to fill. And if you're the Lions, you want them to have to fill as many holes as possible. And uh, it's all a compliment to him. Yeah. It's just how good he is and the void he leaves if he's not there. I'm sure Frank's not going to shed a tear for that one, huh? <laughs> yeah. He's still going to look up and find somebody. There's no doubt about it. And they'll be an NFL player and they'll be tough. But that dude is something else, man. Well, let's talk to talk about the guys that we do expect to be there. And l- let's start with this one. Aiden Hutchinson versus Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor, obviously their new right tackle. They went out and spent $80 million four years ago to get him. You know, the, I, 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 I talked to Jesse Newell was the beat writer for the Kansas City Star you know in this podcast and and they think in Kansas City this is the best offensive line they've had in front of Mahomes in his tenure there obviously Aiden Hutchinson with a terrific rookie season I had him on my podcast for the Super Bowl he said yeah that was just an appetizer wait till next year so and he's looked good um in in camp just what do you think of that matchup I think Aiden has looked great number one and I think he's just kind of been under the radar this camp I mean there hasn't been a lot of chatter about him but watching him every day he looks great he looks great physically he he just looks like he's moving he looks more confident um it's interesting Kansas City has changed both tackles Mm -hmm. And for Aiden in this matchup, look, Taylor is known as a terrific pass protector. So Aiden's going to have to win that matchup. But more than that, I think one of the important things that will happen here is Aiden's got to set the edge because this guy wants to get outside if pressure comes. And he is so dangerous when he moves parallel to the line. So you got to be able to get it cut off, keep him inside and not let him do that. Now, look, he's going to get out. 
But as often as you can, you got to try to keep him contained. And I think that's one of the really interesting things here because he's so good when he's off schedule. you got to try to prevent that. To your point about Taylor, too, only five sacks allowed all of last year, just yeah. 11 uh, t- total hurries. I say get $80 million. He was, yeah, he was, he was really, really good. What do you think Charles Harris does opposite for Aiden, having Charles Harris back opposite? He only played six games last year. He's had a terrific camp, too. Does that help, Aiden? I think he's motivated. I mean, I think he, he is motivated. Look, his contract got changed. Uh, yeah. Players don't love that. Yeah, don't I love mean, that. this is how they make a living. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. I think he's motivated to go out there and show what he can do and get back to the form that earned him that contract to begin with. And and I, I think one of the interesting things with Charles and with now the, that entire room, Tim, yeah. I am so interested to see how Aaron Glenn utilizes all these defensive linemen because I think there's a lot of really good pieces there. I just have no idea how he's going to put it together. I think he has such versatility there with guys that can move inside, outside, and guys that can get after the passer. I I am as fired up to see that as I am about anything with this football team because I think that's where they can really get some improvement on the defense. I know the back end we'll talk about, which is different, and they're good. But, man, that front, I think, has the ability now – to be impactful. And we haven't seen a lot of that. I saw it towards the end of last yeah. year, which is why they started winning right. in part. But um, I'm I'm really eager to see how he uses all these pieces. This is the deepest and most talented defensive no, no. line Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have had no, no. in their no, no. tenure. And, and, and you said versatile. They, they have guys that can move inside, outside. They can give a lot of different looks. And I think they're, they're going to keep offenses on their toes. I think there's a lot of talent there. Well, you teased the secondary a little bit, so let's get into that one. And probably the biggest addition there, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, right? He's certainly the loudest no addition there. Um, Eric Lentz is a loud defense. is a confident defense. <laughs> and, and this matchup I put against Patrick Mahomes because I think it's an interesting one because C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you see the ball production, you see the interceptions from last year. And with Mahomes being able to manipulate people with his eyes and finding space, I think that's going to be such a good matchup between one of the best safety slash nickel slash cornerbacks in the league and certainly one of the best quarterbacks in the league and and that kind of game that they play with each other safety versus quarterback trying to manipulate and move guys in space I think one of the comforting things going into this game that you wouldn't have felt last year is not just the improvement in the secondary with Cam Sutton and, and with CJ but the fact that you have guys and Tracy back now you have guys that have played in big games these lights won't be too bright for CJ. No, that's a good point. And some yeah. guys that we had on this team last year hadn't been in a situation like this before. So yeah. not only did they upgrade in terms of talent, they upgrade in terms of experience and the ability to handle a stage like this. And I think CJ, look, everybody you talk to says it starts with him on the defense because he's the guy that just kind of stirs the drink out yeah. there. And I what think did they call him the battery yesterday? The battery, yeah. the battery of the defense. <laughs> yeah, I love that line. Yeah, he is. And it's, I tell you, that battery does not run low on charge because he is always going. And I think, yeah, I think it's it's a good matchup. And, and you know, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you're looking at a guy who led the NFL in interceptions last year. You know he's out there. You know he's a ball hawk. You know Kirby's a ball hawk. You know Branch is a ball hawk. You've got guys on this Lions secondary now that can go out and make plays on the ball. And look, as good as Mahomes is, every once in a while he'll give you an opportunity, and you better be ready to take advantage of that, and C.J. will. Here's a terrific stat I ran ran across. I'm not sure if it was ESPN or not, but in the five previous Game 1 weeks for Patrick Mahomes, 71.6 completion percentage, 1,542 yards, 18 touchdowns, 
Zero interceptions, Dan. A 133.9 passer rating in his last five week one games. That zero interceptions is the one that jumps out to me. I think that's going to be the difference maker. Can Detroit make him make a couple mistakes, maybe make some short fields? I think that might be the difference. Well, that starts with the guys up front. Yep. That starts with them putting pressure on him. That starts with them containing him, maybe throwing the ball before he wants to or throwing it a little more off balance than he's capable of, which is saying something because he can throw from any angle. But no, I, I think, look, when the Lions started winning last year, it's not like there was this seismic shift. They stopped turning the ball over. They started taking the ball away and stopped committing penalties. Well, the takeaways will play a role in this game. If they can get one or two extra possessions out of Kansas City, I think that could be big in this football game. It won't be easy because this guy's unbelievable. He's a great, great football player and a massive challenge for every level of that defense. All right, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Jameer Gibbs, the rookie running back, number 12 overall, versus Nick Bolton, who I think is really an, an underappreciated linebacker in this league. You saw the 180 tackles. 180. Last, 108 of those solo. Um, you know, and, and look, Ben Johnson kind of made a few headlines when he said, look, we're going to use Jameer Gibbs in ways maybe people don't realize. The same with David Montgomery. I'm I'm not uncomfortable saying that Jameer Gibbs is probably the best receiving running back I've seen in my 15 years covering this team. And there's been a couple ones that come through. Reggie Bush, Javid yep. Best. He's just so smooth. Always catches the ball away. Never loses stride. Just a really, really terrific receiver. We saw him make plays down the field in training camp, too. I just think that's going to be such a unique matchup because I think that's where some big plays could come for Detroit's offense that maybe people don't expect right away. Yeah, and, and, and we're all, again, interested to see how this thing plays out. How do they use him? In what ways can they move him around? The only thing that Dan Campbell ruled out was punter. So that's not going to happen. We know that. But other than that, I mean, look, we have seen him through OTAs, through mini camp, through training camp. Tim, when he's one-on-one with somebody and gets a step, it's over. And look, this is a terrific player, Bolton. But this is a difference maker in Gibbs. That's why they drafted him. And had no qualms about doing it even if people out there to start with had qualms and then looked at it again and said you know what that wasn't a bad move but he is a special guy with his quickness and look I think they're looking at him as somebody that can help take the top off a of defense while Jameson's not here Yeah, and that is something this offense needs to have DJ Chark isn't here anymore he was a guy that put that fear into defense his speed will make defenses take note. And I do think that that's something that that we will see play out over this season is just a way he can do different things. You said it. He can line up in the backfield. He can be a receiver. He can be in the slot. He can go wide. He's going to be everywhere. And every time he lines up, that defense is going to have to figure out where he is. Bold prediction for week one? I think I'm going to do it. What's that? I think Jameer Gibbs, when it's all said and done, if he stays healthy, is second on this team in receptions behind Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, you know, I looked at that. And and if you look at Swift the past couple of years, he was 75-ish targets per year the last couple of years. Well, Gibbs is going to get those. Those are going to him now. Right. And, you know, Montgomery will get his, but but Gibbs is going to get those and more. And and I, you look, with the receiving core as it currently is, more of a, 
you know, I would say a group effort than one, two, I would say there's a good chance that could happen. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go Taylor Decker versus George Kalafstis. Um, they've got a lot of turnover on that defensive front. No, no, you know, Clark's gone and, and some of the other guys that they've kind of relied on over the years to get after the quarterback. It's a, it, it's a kind of a, they've gone younger there. Kalafsis, six sacks last year, 11 quarterbacks hits, kind of was that second guy behind Chris Jones as, as a guy that they could rely on to get after the quarterback. And Taylor Decker, that's just old steady netty, right? Yeah, and doesn't get a lot. I don't think it's enough credit. Yeah. Uh, I, I think deserves much more credit than he gets. Um, Big Ten matchup, Ohio State-Purdue. That, that's what these guys will be going after each other. And, and look, um, every year before the draft, we hear about guys – that are going to be pass rushers in this league. And then a couple of years later, you think, whatever happened to that guy? Who's right. This guy's good. He's this good. guy is legit. He this is. guy is a first-round draft pick who played like it last year, pressured the passer, as you said, had six sacks, had 11 quarterback hits. Um, so you got a challenge here. And I think Kansas City knows that if they don't have Jones, uh, Menahu is not going to play in this game. He's been suspended. You mentioned a couple of the guys that are not back, Clark and Dunlop. So they're looking to him and saying, you know, you're year two, but we need you. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a big win for Decker to try to win that matchup because, again, big key for the Lions offense, don't give Kansas City extra possessions. Extra possessions sometimes come off pressure. Taylor Decker, left tackle, 17 games last year. Four sacks allowed. Yeah, like you I said, mean, doesn't get enough credit. You, you don't have to. I mean, I, I think he is outstanding. I think he deserves more credit around the league than he gets. Some notoriety, a Pro Bowl maybe, but it's it's such a difficult position. And and frankly, it can be difficult when you're not winning too. Yeah, to, to kind of get, get that. that that's that, a great that, point. This team starts winning, people might start taking note of Taylor Decker and what he does a little bit more. All right, let's end with this one. Brian Branch, dynamic rookie second round pick, who has really impressed. I think everybody who's been to practice, the coaches say they're not surprised. Strong enough, I think they. I I think they're underselling it a little bit. They've all said, "Hey, we saw the tape. We knew this kid was good. We had a first round grade, but he's been really, really good." Dan and his welcome to the NFL moment is here. You go. Here's Travis Kelsey. He has forced his way into this starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, look, when they drafted him, I thought great pick. But with the guys they signed in the secondary getting Tracy back, I thought, you know what, this might be a redshirt year for him. He might be a big-time core special teams player. He has come in from day one and done nothing but make plays and look anything but like a rookie. I mean, he has looks looked, like a fourth-year guy. No, he looks terrific. He plays with confidence. He's got ball skills. He, he dissects things very quickly. Um, he has just forced his way onto the field for this team. And as you said, now he'll go up against the future Hall of Famer. And look, I, I would think he'll have some help against Kelsey because you go back and watch the tape. I was looking at something the other day where he just spun Jalen Ramsey into the turf. I mean, another future Hall of Famer. Right. And he's just a great player. And look, he's so good with Mahomes. In particular, we talked about it a moment ago, when Mahomes gets off schedule, these two are right yeah. in sync. He, he knows, knows how, how to find – Yeah, he knows how to find an open area, and Mahomes knows how to find him. So it's a heck of a challenge. It's one that I don't think Brian will, will have on his own. But whomever is on Kelsey has got to be ready because he is just – he's one of the game breakers in this league. He's a phenomenal player. He's one of those guys where it truly is a team effort. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. It's I mean, I just, if you go back and try to break down the tape, you're not going to find many times where somebody covered him one-on-one in man-to-man coverage and won. I mean, he's just so good. 
and and Mahomes can can read him. He just knows by watching the back of his jersey which way he's going, and then boom, the ball is there. So, um, look, both these guys are going to the Hall of Fame, and that's one of the challenges the Lions have in this game is to try to find some way to slow them down. It has been that way since they got together. They're just incredibly talented, and it is one of the real stories in this game. Yeah, 90 tackles for Branch at that nickel spot for Alabama last year. 14 tackles for lost a couple of interceptions. One of those guys that we've seen even here now kind of just does a little bit of everything yeah. and does it all pretty well. So it'll be interesting when that's, that's the matchup, if, if he can get his hands on some footballs, if he can prevent Kelsey from making big plays. And I think, again, much as we said about how they deploy the front, how they use Branch. I This kid can play all over. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of trust in him, I think, already. And he can do a lot of things. So I'm going to be really interested to see how they use him. I'm Tim, I'm interested. Look, this defense has got to be better. It's got to be better than yeah. it was last year. And I think it's got a chance to not just be better, but to be good. And to be, to be one of the reasons they win instead of just kind of holding steady and not being a reason they lose. I really do. I think the talent is there for them to You're take. You're getting people really excited here, Dan. I'm here. <laughs> You're getting Mark people really excited. Me, look, it, it's, it, it may not happen right away because sometimes it takes a while to gel but I think the talent is there for this defense to be good and and I think it's 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 exciting because it is so hard to win in a shootout all the yeah. time and, and in fairness to this defense it was pretty good towards the end of last year and started doing things better and that was one of the reasons that they won eight out of ten just need to see everybody get off the block a little bit quicker this year i think that's exciting because we can both agree that the offense is going to be pretty good at least we expect it yeah. to be it was last year and i they might and even johnson's got his blankie up front so yeah. it's all good <laughs> so um it, it's going to be fun i'm glad week one is here i'm excited now starting to talk about this stuff we get to see it live thursday night as the lions kick off the regular season we will all be listening to your call as we always are you're one of the best in the business thanks for stopping by appreciate you and let's hope this is uh this is a fun season appreciate you man all right thank you guys